Hello, and welcome to Crusher Talk, another episode with your best friend in the whole world, Haley Crusher Kane. Also joining us tonight is Peyton Manning and little Peanut, who is staring at me right now. I These dogs have given me so much joy this winter. There's nothing like hunkering down with two little chihuahua mixes and just snuggling up with your dogs. It is the most amazing dopamine enhancing should be on everybody's list if it if you know I just feel like there should be dogs assigned to people at birth because they just improve life so much and I've just been really enjoying my winter coziness with them speaking of winter coziness my uh crave worthy of the week is quite winter cozy Um, which is not a coincidence. In fact, I would say this entire episode, if we go so far as to call it that, is about winter coziness Um, because we are in winter in Detroit. The snow has melted. I will give you that update, but it's still cold. It's still, you know, bundle up weather. And I've been making stews and soups and all sorts of braised meats. And what I made recently was tortellini soup. I did follow a recipe, which is very rare for me. And I will link the exact recipe. The only difference is I doubled it and I did a pound of mild sausage, Italian sausage, and a pound of spicy sausage. Um, It is a delicious tortellini kale soup with sausage and tomatoes and delicious uh, broth. And it's just very hearty, but at the same time, not too hearty. And I will say the tortellini that I did get from Whole Foods was terrible. So I think it's important that you like the tortellini you use. And I would also recommend cooking the tortellini separately and keeping them in a separate container. So for me, I doubled the recipe, kept the tortellini separate, and then I could kind of dole out, you know, the tortellini and put it into the soup once I microwaved it for leftovers. You can also sprinkle some cheese on top. You could also sprinkle, um, I used green uh, Tabasco sauce, the Tabasco, is that what I used? No, green Cholula, whatever, green Cholula sauce that's got this very like tangy flavor. Um, you could put, uh, red pepper flakes on this soup. It's, it's fantastic. And because it has the tortellini, you don't really need like bread. And I think that it's nice sometimes to have a soup that's just all in one bowl. The veggies are in the bowl. I used some really beautiful kale and I put it in at the very end. So it was very chewy and I just loved the kale in it. It just made me feel really healthy. Um, and during the winter, everybody's immunity is a little compromised. I was just listening to a podcast about health and the woman was talking about, the expert was talking about how the low level stress that everyone in the world suffered over the past three years has definitely brought everyone's immunity down. And well, I shouldn't say definitely, that's kind of a blanket statement, but it's funny, you know, you don't realize as the water is boiling around you and you're the frog and you're like, oh my God, it's suddenly boiling. I'm boiled alive. And you don't realize that this world shattering shifting event of COVID um, definitely just not only did it keep us inside, so therefore our immune systems are weakened in that regard, but this, the low-level continuous stress um, has been a factor. So it was a very healthful soup. Um, Dr. Kane really liked it, which is always a plus. He was like uh, raving about it. So I hope that you will enjoy that recipe. Um, speaking of winter rest, winter rituals, 
I'm not a girl who ever really experienced winter in like the true sense of the word. And this is a real shovel your snow um, from the sidewalk, you know, try not to slip on ice when you walk the dogs, you know, bundling up to go down to the coffee shop, which I'm still walking a mile to go to my coffee shop because I got to get my exercise. I've been walking about um, two and a half miles there and back to get to my little gym, which is at the Hamtramck Community Center, which is like this cute little, it's a high school community center. And I, there's this tiny little gym. It's very, very sweet. And um, it's a winter. It's a winter. It's a wear gloves. And I've never had that ever in my life. And I would say the first time I even drove, driv, driven, <laughs> drove in pretty snowy, icy conditions was like two weeks ago because we had a lot of snow here in Detroit. And I ventured out. I don't even know what I was getting, but I, I realized as I was doing it, oh my gosh, I like haven't done this before. <laughs> um, you know, traveling and being somewhat worldly and touring this country has you know, I'm not scared of any of this stuff, but it's just living, living in it and living in a time, a place where the days are short. These winter rituals are very important. And I found myself drawn to them. One of them being the soups, the stews, the stroganoffs, all these things I would never make in California. Um, it's like I stop eating avocado and who am I? I'm a new person. hundred <laughs> percent. Candles. Never, ever cared about candles. I'm the first to admit I would be the one to burn the house down. First to admit. There was actually a time in my childhood when I fell into a fire pit and my hair was lit on fire. And I didn't even know, I didn't have the wherewithal to do anything about it. Um, my family had to like roll me on the ground physically. <laughs> so fire and I do not mix. And so the fact that I'm like burning candles and it's funny because this candle I got at CVS let's see what's it called it's called nature's wick by woodwick and it's the sage and white pepper smell oh it smells incredible it smells like a really expensive candle I think it was like 18 dollars or something this candle I had no idea when I bought it the woodwick crackles and so it actually sounds like a fire which is horrifying and not relaxing and when I put it when I um, light it Reed and I always laugh because we're just like wait a second this is the most unrelaxing thing ever because you're so aware of the candle and you're so aware of the sound of the candle it's maddening anyways I thought that was kind of funny and what I have been doing also is putting on the YouTube HD uh, 24 seven fireplace and just letting that go while I'm working. That's been nice. And having the crackle, we have a little, we don't have much, uh, by way of decor in this house. Okay. Which you could probably imagine why we're in a construction zone. You guys know that I don't have to tell you, <laughs> but we do have a string of twinkle lights in our front window that are very enchanting. And I will tell you, I put them on first thing in the morning because they just add a little bit of magic to my day. And it is gray here, so I'm putting on the twinkle lights. I'm also doing something that I've learned now is called dopamine dressing. Think I can thank uh, TikTok and Instagram Reels for telling me about this. Since I was a little kid, I always remember caring a lot about what I wore. And it was less about looking cool or being pretty. It was more about like I was very particular about colors. 
colors that, you know, matching my skirt to my socks. And I had these circle skirts and like ruffle socks. And they, if I had a pink skirt, I have to have pink socks or I would have, I had a favorite dress that was striped and I wore it so often I would get like made fun of, but I didn't care. And I was very particular about the colors really and patterns. I've always been attracted, very much attracted to prints and patterns and florals and stripes and colors. And I've always just felt this sense of peace and happiness and like a real present sense of peace when I'm around bright colors or wearing bright colors. Um, and like if I wear black, I'm, I will be in a more of a bummer mood. I promise you. And so I found out about this thing recently called dopamine dressing, which is people dressing because it, it the brain studies have shown scientists have found when you wear certain colors for certain people, um, no, maybe not neurotypical brains, but whatever is up with these specific brains, they don't, they lack dopamine, any brain that lacks dopamine probably gets a boost from certain things. And one of these things can be color. And so dressing in bright colors can be a way that brains that are deficient in dopamine naturally like self-soothe and learn how to boost their dopamine. And isn't that a great and elegant perhaps not true, but who knows? Um, cause I don't want to say this is like fact, you know, I haven't like checked this out completely, but isn't that an elegant and beautiful thought and reason why, you know, you always, we always notice those people that are like, they have the bright green coat or they have the bright pink hair or the stripes. And you just go, what is up with that person? And more often than not, I've found, cause these are a lot of my friends. They don't want to be looked at. Like they, they want to be who they are, but they're not doing that for the attention. They really feel the most comfortable. Like my friend Danielle, the Mer Crusher Bagnall, shout out to Danielle, has pink hair and she has pink eyebrows and she's the least peacock person I've ever met. She is so um, introspective and just not interested in being center of attention. She's more of a behind the scenes person and yet she just feels comfortable in this pink and she has a pink and green kitchen and she's got, you know, it's all these colors for her. And it just really makes sense to me. I know a lot of people like this, a lot of creative people, a lot of artists. I'm definitely like this. Um, so yeah, I would put dopamine dressing strangely in this list of winter rituals that have been making me happy. I've been really interested in two-piece lounge sets that can be worn outside and inside that are comfy and cozy and feel good and are just just wonderful to feel, but also are bright. And it's just funny how these little things... I mean, living in a more gray world, you know, Detroit has its moments of sun, but it's been quite gray. I find myself reaching for the color so much more, the colored lipstick and the colored accessories. And it's just one of those things I'll have to continue to look at. And um, Gretchen Rubin, who does, uh, who wrote The Four Tendencies and a few other books that I've mentioned here, who I really like, she's a human behavioral studies person, uh, has a book about this the five senses and I believe about color so I'll have to check that out and report back and see if this is all just a bunch of astrology bs or something um and we're all just you know putting on stuff because it's I don't know dictated by society or who knows who knows why we make decisions but we do have free will I think so I'm going to continue to exercise my free will to dress like a crazy person um Speaking of free will, okay, we all have seen what's happening with AI, correct? I am worried. 
I will not go too much into this because I'm new to it, but through some podcasts and YouTube videos I've consumed, I have a healthy respect and fear for AI, and I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm on the fence because I listen to this podcast, the DIY Musician Podcast, which I love and I always recommend to musicians. They had a podcast recently come out that was about AI and music and how AI can do the menial tasks that go along with like promoting music. For instance, one publication wants a 500 word bio, another blog wants a 100 word bio. You could say, hey, AI chat bot generator, whoever, can you take this 500 word bio and bring it down to 100 words with these key phrases and personalize it for this press? That is something that is menial to me. I mean, I'm a marketing person and I do copywriting for a living. So of course I do enjoy getting paid for that. When I'm doing it for my band, it can be so tedious and constant, these little things. But then of course the idea of AI generated music is such a mind blowing concept. And in the podcast, they were talking about how Pink Floyd was under fire for a while. I guess there's a documentary about Pink Floyd recording uh, Dark Side of the Moon. And journalists would ask, are you just pushing buttons because you're using synthesizers and, and samples and things like that? And they had to defend themselves because they were actually curating what they were using in the songs, which I get it, it makes sense, right? However, when those things were first coming out, including people sampling things in songs, sampling other songs and songs, people just were like so up in arms and worried. And I, I'm kind of on the fence whether I feel like, well, is curating what AI synthesizes, you know, if you if you, you know, plug in all the things you want AI to do and it gives it to you and they're going to give you 40 options and you pick those options, that's the human element. Is that the same? Like, it's very interesting. And I'll admit when like the auto generated AI art came out, I was like the first to do it because, you know, I love myself. And I was like, I'm going to see what I look like in AI. And the, the, the issues that have been brought up since then about copyright and about like what is art has just blown my mind to the point where I'm having these conversations with Dr. Kane about whether AI has free will or will ever have free will. And he's looking at me like, you know, there's like 8,000 sci-fi books about this that have been written for like decades. <laughs> and I'm just like, I know, but I don't care about planet XY2Z158. I just want to talk about the philosophy. So I don't know where we got into this with the AI, but um, where? how did that happen? Uh-oh. I don't know how we got down that tangent. From dopamine dressing, was I on dopamine dressing, to AI? Oh, free will. Okay. Um, it's, it's scary, and I, I don't know where we're standing with that, but I have a very, very healthy dose of fear and respect for AI right now that, I don't know, I, I, you know what I'm thinking too is like, Y2K was a scary time for everyone. We all thought the world was going to end and the computers were going to crash and all this stuff. There, even on the, you look at the cover of Time magazine, I think it was like 99 or 98 or something, probably 99. There's like, it's like, will the world end? You know, and real smart people were thinking these things. And yet that wasn't what happened. And in fact, what did end up happening was something we could have never imagined. Most likely in 20 years, even five years, even three years, we're going to look back at this discussion we're having now, just as AI is finding its footing and becoming so 
I mean, due to like recent technological advances suddenly, you know, being utilized and the possibilities like really like showing themselves, we're going to look back and be like, oh my God, we were so stupid, you know, or we're going to look back and be like, well, you know, we're all slaves for the AI. Ha ha. I, I don't know. I don't know, but it's kind of a weird, scary time. Um, and this might be the most futuristic thing to ever happen in my lifetime. I don't know about you guys, but this is right up there. Um, okay. Let's talk about other winter rituals. Seinfeld. Watching Seinfeld from the very beginning, which I never did. And by, when Seinfeld came out, I was, I think it came out early 90s. So I was a little kid. I was born in 87. So I experienced Seinfeld as like an early 20s person who would like see it here and there, like friends or something would be like a rerun kind of thing. So I, and I do remember actually being maybe like 10 or I think it um, wrapped up, Seinfeld wrapped up in like the late 90s. And I was like maybe almost like the 13 or 12 at the time. And I do remember seeing like, you know, TV Guide and, and things of like, it's Seinfeld's last episode. I, be I remember watching it. I remember watching it because it was a big deal and everybody's watching it, right? But I didn't really have like a real intimate um, connection to it. Also, apparently my parents called me Newman until I was like five years old because I was fat, <laughs> which is like jokes on them because if I had turned out fat as an adult, um, I'm by no means skinny. But if I had turned out morbidly obese, that probably would have been a very high therapy bill. But I just find it funny. Anyways, um, I didn't have an intimate knowledge of it. And like, of course, being married to somebody who's a couple years older, put it that way, um, who actually you know, witnessed Seinfeld as it came out, a show famously about nothing, a show that is sardonic and smart and just, just too good for TV. Like it's too, like, I do not like the laugh track. I'll tell you that, that as a millennial upsets me. Um, I don't like the laugh track. I think it's too good for a laugh track, but, um, it's really smart. It's really smart. It's really funny. It's really meta. And the acting is incredible. And I also realized that although like tangentially when I would watch it, I was like, oh, Kramer's funny. I like Kramer. He's like the funny one. I cannot stand Kramer now because Kramer reminds me of so many clueless men that I've met in my life that are just ruining. They just like walk into a room and everything's ruined. I, it's like triggering for me. I'm like, ew, Kramer. I hate Kramer. <laughs> um, but of course, George Costanza is the best character. Um, and I've been going down kind of a rabbit hole with um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and the magazine covers she did when she was younger. Oh, she's so beautiful. Oh my God. Do yourself a favor and just Google 90s um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her smile, her bone structure. She's like on Vogue and Shape Magazine. And oh, she's gorgeous and just such a I don't know she's such a bright person she's such a she's a dopamine person for me so uh, we've been watching these at night from the beginning noticing little things and just it has been such a comforting thing re-watching something from the very beginning or even kind of like for me you know really watching it for the first time it can be so comforting you're like hanging out with your your best friends every night and it's a great thing to do in the winter in Detroit. So we've been really loving that. That's like on our Crushiverse um, headlines. I will say briefly, another Crushiverse headline is we have two shows coming up. 
you guys already know about November or November. Wow. Where'd that come from? Um, February 24th. Yes. Um, at Bolero Lanes in Royal Oak, Michigan. But we're also opening for the Dolly Rots at the Sanctuary in Hamtramck in March. And that is on March, I think, 16th. But now I'm like worried. So I'll put it in the link in the show notes because, you know, now I'm realizing I actually don't know what, what the date is. Um, why did I bring it up? Why did I bring it up? If I hadn't brought it up, it would have been timeless content and evergreen, and now I ruined it. Um, that's just where my brain goes. Okay, I want to talk about something else. We went to John King Books. It is one of the weirdest bookstores in North America. They have over one million books. It is four stories in girth. is four stories tall. There are people on hand to help you. It smells like an antique store. It looks like an antique store because there is antiques, taxidermy, and weird shit everywhere. It is a fire hazard. It was a glove factory back in the day. And holy, just, it's amazing. I really felt I saw a one a sliver, a one hundredth, a one thousandth of this place. Look it up. It is the coolest place. It's in downtown Detroit. There's also one, I believe, in Ferndale. Um, but this bookstore is apparently it's one of the most interesting or named one of the coolest bookstores in America by so-and-so magazine. I'm trying to remember who it was, but it is such a cool spot. If you're into like Powell's books in Portland, it's not like that. I mean, it's big and it's overwhelming, but it's more like a record shop or an antique shop. It's a little dusty. You're going to find some weird stuff and a lot of rare titles and just, just weird, just like the books that I found were kind of wacky. I actually did like a little Instagram reel about it and I won't go too much into that. You can watch it if you're interested, but there's nothing like spending an afternoon just wandering around a weird old eccentric bookstore. John King books. Very cool. Next up, I have to find out who John King is because I'm realizing right now I'm really curious about that. Okay. Um, Sparkle of the week goes to people who shovel other people's walks We've realized that there is a thing here where people will sometimes shovel their neighbor's walk when they're shoveling their snow. And that is so cool. We didn't know that was a thing. And our neighbor did it. And other people, we see other people doing it. And we're just, this is a blanket sparkle to anyone who's ever done that. It's such a lovely gesture. I mean, you're already out there. You're burning all the calories. Just do it, right? Um, I just think it's really cool. Okay, quote of the day. Um, I thought it was important to do a, a Jerry Seinfeld quote. Also, can we just note that Jerry Seinfeld is not that funny? It's obvious why he was the straight man in the show because he, you need a straight man for these wonderful actors to play off of. But like the comedy is not funny. And it, it's the funny. It's, it's, it's really weird to think the comedy of Jerry Seinfeld is as far away in time as like the early 90s were from, I think, the 50s. Or something like that, right? 50s, 40 years. Yeah. See, I'm not good at math. Yeah. So this it's very apparent to me that it is old-fashioned. Um, so it's almost like a weird, I don't know, it's like a study in the way that people talked and the way that people dressed and the way, I mean, I know that sounds crazy because it's, it's the nineties, but all the young people are doing these Y2K fashion hauls and talking about their vintage Y2K fashion that they found at the Goodwill. So that's it guys. We're old. We're old. We're dusty. Death is coming for us. And actually this is a great preface for the quote, which is from Jerry Seinfeld. 
Mr. Poofy Shirt himself, and he says, once you start doing only what you've already proven you can do, you're on the road to death. I find this to be comforting. I mean, obviously, it's a very, (laughs) um, it could be seen as depressing, but it's comforting to me because whenever I push myself to do something new, the resistance that comes up is sometimes unbearable. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And it's like, well, honey, that's because that's what living's about. The minute you just sink into what you've always done, where's the growth? What's the point? So hopefully you guys find that you are uh, <laughs> um, not on the road to death at this moment. Um, I hope that you're having a really good cozy winter. And until next week, um, yeah, cozy up with any anyone or anything that you got. But I do hope you're cozying up to a squishy and soft and like loyal little puppy dog because that certainly is the best thing. All right. I will leave you with that. Sparkle hard. Bye-bye.